Hello, my friends. Welcome to Word Made Digital. This is season six, episode four. I'm your host, Joanna LaFleur. And on this season of the podcast, we're talking about the fruit of the spirit. That is the characters, the things that are the result of the Holy Spirit living in you and working in your life to make you more like Jesus. So today we're talking to the very funny John Acuff. He's a writer, speaker, and maybe your new best friend on the internet if you don't know him already. We're going to be talking to him about the topic of peace, what it looks like to have peace in our minds, and maybe even on the internet, if that might be possible. Thanks so much to Compassion Canada and our new sponsor for this season, Waybase, for making this whole season possible. I can't wait to tell you a little bit more about them in the episode, but uh, we're going to dive into this chat with John Acuff uh, just in a few seconds. So thanks again for following with us in this season, for your feedback, for you know sharing these episodes with other people for rating, liking, subscribing, posting, all the stuff that um, helps other people find this podcast. If it's helpful to you, we hope it would be helpful to someone that you know. So thanks for sharing it. But let me tell you a little bit about John Acuff if you don't know him. He's author of many books like Do Over, Start, and Quitter. If you're noticing a theme, part of his story is leaving a corporate job to really do what he felt like he was called to do. And uh, he's spoken to hundreds of thousands of people. And this week he's talking to us and we're going to talk about how to get peace in your mind, peace on your Instagram feed, and maybe even in the world. So here's the conversation with John Acuff. Welcome to the Word Made Digital Podcast with Joanna LaFleur. You're listening to season six. Word Made Digital brings you interviews with Christian creatives and communicators to inspire, challenge, and equip you in your own work. The church has the best news in the world, so we want to help you be the best communicators in the world. Here we go. John Acuff, welcome to Word Made Digital. I'm really pumped to have this conversation with you today. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me today. I think it's going to be a blast. Um, you are, uh, many things, author, speaker, and one of my favorite follows on the internet. And so I look forward to diving in with you today to get in your head a little bit about what's in your head, to get in your head about what's in your head. And, um, so t- tell us about, um, yourself, maybe for those who've, who've not been familiar with you, can you give a brief introduction as we dive into this conversation? Sure. Um, I have been married for 20 years this April, um, live in Nashville, Tennessee with my wife and two teenage daughters. Um, my background is corporate marketing. I spent about 15 years in corporate marketing. Um, and for the last 10 or 12 years or so, I've been um, writing books and speaking about books. So that's kind of the two things I do all year is I write books and then I go to companies and speak about books. So I write business books. Um, I, my dad's a pastor, grew up in the church, um, which can mean a lot of things. But for me, it means I've got um, a relationship with Jesus, crazy about Jesus. He's crazy about me. Um and that's kind of a quick and down and dirty background yeah. of me. I, I got into kind of online conversation by starting a blog a few years ago, really enjoyed all the creative freedom the internet offered. And so that's, I've been kicking around on the internet for a few years too. Well, and how has your world changed? Everybody's world's changed in the last 12, 14 months. 
Sure. Um, what do, as a as like I a lot of people may know you as someone who's spoken at an event that they've gone to. Mm-hmm. So with events changing, <laughs> so dread, like large groups of yeah, people a, turns out might kill you. Sweet world, sweet yeah, word. For so you to say it, to, let's describe it that way. Changing, canceled <laughs> is another word. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for me last March, I, I texted a friend and was like in March, 2020. And I said, I think the first half of the year is going to be tough for a lot of people, which looking back is adorable. The first half of the year, as if like, all right, it's June. We're all done. Like we're all wrapped up with COVID. (laughs) So no, for me, um, I really had to figure out, and this is such an overdone word, but it's just true. Like how to pivot. So I essentially lost my job, um, or a large portion of my job. Um, when events got canceled, I probably had, you know, 40 or 50 events get canceled or postponed. I've done a bunch of virtual. I've probably done 40 virtual at this point. Um, but I really had to say, okay, what am I going to do next? What are the systems I'm going to build? Where am I going to lean into it? I mean, like one of those answers was I'm going to do a podcast. Um, I'd kind of been putting it off. I'd had one before that failed just tremendously. And so I was like, I think it's time for me to jump back into podcasting. So I, uh, you know, I would say I spent like six, like maybe four grumpy months, like frustrated that, you know, yeah. the thing that I'm best at, which is public speaking didn't exist. Um, but there was no degree of hustle or positive thinking that would change that. Like there was literally nothing I could do except go, okay, what am I going to do now instead? And, and I kind of came to a point where it was like, I can pine or I can plan. I can pine all oh, the old way. Oh, I want it to be like this, or I can plan and go, okay, here's the new season I'm in. What am I going to build out of this? And that's where I, that's where I came to. Yeah. Well, and as, as you kind of allude to there with this, you get in your head, you're, uh, it's, it was a huge change for so many people. I mean, for the whole world had to stop change direction, but for some people it was like drastic change to their livelihood. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you say, you can get in your head about that. You can get stuck sure. in the grumbling, the complaining, the what isn't, mm-hmm. you just want to go back to the way things were. Um, and that's kind of what this book is about. Did you, did you write this during a pandemic? Like the schedule no, no, of writing just, books? Yeah. How did the that timing come about? was really fortunate? Yeah. Um, in the sense of it was, you mean it was, it was challenging in some regards cause I didn't get to go talk about it live. I haven't yet. I look forward to that this fall. Um, but it, the timing is really fortunate in that everyone is overthinking. So the book was done before the pandemic kind of really took off, um, And it was, I, for me, it was so like, it was frustrating the pandemic, but I was able to handle it better because I had spent two years researching how your thoughts matter and how to choose your thoughts and create your thoughts. So I felt in a lot of ways, like uh, the world got covered with water, but I just spent two years learning how to swim. And so I couldn't wait for the book to come back out because everywhere I looked, people were overthinking. The, The thing I've been saying is that right now, everything is a thing. So an example that I love to give is a couple of weeks ago, somebody went to shake my hand. And right before I did, I thought, should I refuse? Should I give them an elbow? Should I fist bump them? Should I shake it? But then put my whole arm into a vat of hand sanitizer as if to say, I just need to scrub off the deadly pandemic you just tried to murder me and my grandparents with. Like, And then I started looking around the room. Are other people shaking hands? What does it say about us politically? So all these thoughts went through my <laughs> yeah, head. Yeah, handshake's now a political statement. Oh my gosh. Exactly. So two years ago, you know what I thought when I shook something, somebody's hand? Nothing. Now, everything has so many thoughts and so much pressure. And so everybody's overthinking. And, and, you know, when we worked on the book two years ago, 
the PhD, this guy, Mike Peasley, who helps me with my books, we asked 10,000 people if they struggle with overthinking and 99.5% of people said yes. And that was two years ago. So just imagine how many people right now are overthinking. And so I felt really fortunate that I've been able to, like, this feels like an idea for me to steward and I want to steward it to my best. Like, it feels like an idea I received. I didn't force it. I want to steward it. That's how I feel about this book. So... Uh, you're mentioning Mike, uh, PhD, smart guy you collaborate yep. with on this stuff. And you did this research, mm-hmm. particularly around the power of positive affirmation. So yeah, talk which to I me didn't about the do. soundtracks. Yeah. I, I really didn't want to do that. Um, I grew up, uh, you know, I'm sarcastic. I, I love humor. Um, I, I'm skeptical by nature. I try not to be cynical. I think that's where it goes unhealthy. I think skeptical is fine, um, but it can go into cynicism. And so I grew up with, you know, Serenity Now on Seinfeld or Siren Live, like I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, doggone it, people like me. But I kept talking to leaders that I really respected, people that I looked up to that not just had worldly success, but have had heart success and family mm-hmm. success. And, and if you'd get them off the mic or off the camera and go, hey, what do you think about positive thinking? They'd go, well, I got a little pep talk I do, or, oh, you know, I got some declarations I make, or I've got, and I was like, oh, no, I'm going to have to study this. And so we studied it, and it was really fascinating to see how being deliberate with your thoughts can change your actions, which changes your results. And from a biblical perspective, we shouldn't act surprised by that at all. I mean, Philippians 4.8, finally, like, finally, whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, like, please think about these things, which is saying, think about positive thoughts, like be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind matters. Like the Bible begs you to take thinking seriously and begs you to recognize you can control your thoughts and life is so much better when you do. But most people think a thought is something you have, not something you hone. And so mm-hmm. they just let whatever thoughts show up and then they go, wow, it's weird. I'm discouraged. And, and I think even more so during the pandemic, I just caught myself one day like watching a, t- a, a news program that had a running death ticker on it, like a slot machine. And I just thought, I can't go, huh, I wonder where I feel discouraged. Like I'm watching it like, and they're not doing that to inform me. That is to terrify yeah. me. Like, and so I had to stop and go, wait a second. I don't think that's something I need to digest. Let me be deliberate about how I think what I think. So that's really what kicked off, uh, you know, our study into affirmations. Yeah. Well, I mean, this whole series that we're in as a podcast, we're talking about the fruit of the spirit. Like what is the fruit mm. of watching the news ticker on Fox, CNN, whatever, like yeah. counting deaths? Mm. What What is the fruit of that? Like fear, anxiety, uh, paranoia. You don't do anything don't with the information either. <laughs> like the idea of be informed is such a lie. Like it's mm. such a lie. Cause if you said to me, well, I need to be informed. Tell me what you did knowing the death toll of Malaysia. What did you do with right. it that day? Like, what did that information, like, did you go then donate? Like you didn't do anything with it other than add to the negativity, add to the fear, add to the stress. And so, yeah, I think we have to examine those things and go, you're right. What was the fruit of that? Like, was it a helpful fruit? Was it something yeah. that I did something with? Or was it just, did it add to the stress? Well, and we see that like if we're focusing in on this episode, we're talking about peace, peace of mind as my pivot Mm -hmm. from this soundtrack, this constant noise, the constant anxiety. Mm -hmm. We see this, what is the result or the fruit of this 
digital life we're living, this constant access we have to each other, um, you know, people's lives and brains are so noisy. And so when you talk about affirmations, I think my leaning away from it sounds like, sounds like, uh, new age mumbo jumbo or sounds oh, like yeah, yeah. some like, sure- like, as you say, like serenity now, like sounds like some weird soundtrack yeah. they would play if I got a, um, a professional like massage. A massage. Yeah. yeah, totally. <laughs> so totally. talk to us more about this affirmation thing because you're, um, it's, it isn't that the man meditating on the mountain, uh, it's not no, the Gandhi thing. No, not thing. at all. It's I mean, again, else. like I would tie it directly back to Philippians 4, 8, where true, mm. like that is a list of affirmations. I choose to believe what is true. I choose to think about things that are lovely. I cultivate that. I look for that. I notice that. Like I turn that into action. The problem with most times when we talk about thinking, we never tie it to action. We think about it holistically. We think, you know, we see the nonsense on the internet that's motivational, but doesn't mean anything. Like whenever somebody's like, whenever you voice a desire, the universe conspires to help you. No, it doesn't. The universe is busy being the universe. Like it has very very little concern with John Acuff. It's busy like jamming boats in the Suez Canal. Like the universe <laughs> isn't like, oh man, John said something. Like that's not at all. And so for me, that's what I mean by that. So if, you know, if somebody said, okay, I've got this negative thought, like I would go real practical and go, okay, well, let's, you know, the book talks about three things. Let's retire it, retire that broken soundtrack. Mm. Let's replace it with one that's true. And let's repeat that so often it becomes automatic. Like, and that's the step a lot of people miss. They go, okay, I'm told to pray unceasingly. Okay, well, what does that look like in a practical sense? What does that look like? I'm told to think about things that are lovely. Are you just going to hope that happens like organically? And then that's the thing is like your brain is kind of a jerk. Like your brain does several jerky things to you. Number one, it distorts memory. You don't remember things accurately. You think it's a a video camera. It's not. There's study after study that shows over time, your memories distort up to 60%. Number two, it confuses fake trauma with real trauma. It releases real opioids, even in the sense of fake social trauma. And so it's constantly going, all right, this is a big deal. This is a fight. Like, get ready. And the third thing it does, it has a cognitive bias. You believe the things you already believe. So if somewhere along the way you believed, I'm a bad mom, your brain brain is going to like a magnet, collect examples that prove you're a bad mom. And so your brain's not helping you in that sense. The good news is you get to change that. You get to think lovely thoughts. You get to work at that. You get to have your mind transformed. I mean, we take every thought captive is not a passive verse. Like Hmm. it it is not a passive uh, process. It's an active process. Um, You know, and so that's what the book's about ultimately is, okay, what are some simple things you can do with your thinking that actually are actionable? They're not kind of fuzzy and holistic. Yeah. Well, and, and the first step to that is actually recognizing there's a prop, like (laughs) recognizing the soundtrack. Like the the last few days I have had an old pink song stuck in my head and I can't get it out. It's very annoying. Don't let me get me. Which song is it? I'm a, I'm a hazard to myself. That yeah, song. Yeah, don't let me get me. Don't let, uh, is that like, what it's called? Don't, I don't yeah. even know what it's called. Yeah. I don't I knew like exactly pink. of the 50 songs, oh which gosh. song was in your head. That's, I don't want to say profit, but clearly. Uh, it's that earworm. I can't get this earworm out. This, yep. this is the soundtrack. I just recognize, but it took me to this morning to recognize this is a very minor issue in my life, but to recognize that this was happening yeah. in my head over and over. And so- um, how, help us get there. How do you recognize maybe in the 100%. first place quicker what's happening yeah. in your brain? 
I'll give you a super easy, instant way to recognize a broken soundtrack. So think about a desire. Think about a desire God's put on your heart. Think about, you know, a hope he's put on your heart. Okay, I want to be a missionary. I want to start a family. I want to be a wife. I want to be a husband. I want to, you know, I want to write a Bible study. I want to start a podcast. Any desire, big, small, medium, whatever. And then listen to your reaction. Listen to the thoughts you have. Because Mm -hmm. every reaction is an education. If your first thought is you're not qualified, who are you to do that? You've made too many mistakes. You're too young. You're too old. It'll be too complicated. Nobody wants to hear from you. Like, listen to that reaction. Mm -hmm. And once you have that, you take it to, you know, if it's negative and more than likely it's going to be, you take it to three questions. And the three questions are super simple. You say, is it true? Is this thing I'm listening to true? That's the first question. Second question is, is it helpful? Because sometimes the thing is true. Like if you said, I want to start a podcast and your soundtrack was, I don't know how to podcast. That's technically true. But is it helpful? Every time you say that, does it make you want to do a podcast more or less? Does it make you investigate? Does it make you take an online course? Does it make you read a book? The third question is, is it kind? If I said it to a friend, would they still want to be my friend? And I, I remember, you know, I've been doing a lot of podcasts about the book launch and I talked to a podcaster the other day and in the middle of this conversation, he stopped and said, oh no. And I said, well, what's wrong? And he said, well, I've had the number one podcast in my, in my category for nine months. And the soundtrack I hear over and over and over again is you're just lucky. You're just lucky. You're just lucky. And he said, if a friend came over and had been successful for nine months on something they cared about, I'd never say to them, you're just lucky. So why am I okay saying that to myself, but not to him? And so Mm -hmm. those are the three questions you ask. And if you can't say yes to all of them, it's a soundtrack you need to retire. Oh, I love that because sometimes it is true, but that doesn't necessarily sure. mean that it's actually helpful to move you towards um, what you're well, trying to accomplish. Well, the problem is true ones, even a true one will kind of deteriorate over time. No mm. one accidentally thinks positively. I, mm. In all the research, everybody we talked to, we didn't meet a single person whose problem with overthinking was that they overthought compliments. Nobody we talked to said, yeah, I just keep telling myself what a good mom I am. Like, it's a real problem. Like, I keep telling myself, what a natural leader you are. You're doing a great, like, nobody thinks that way. Like, here's how I say it. Like, fear comes free. Faith takes work. Fear comes free. Like, fear is going to find you. The negativity, like, I've never had somebody say, yeah, I had to work really hard to remember a mistake I made three years ago. No, you'll be in the grocery (laughs) store. And all of a sudden, like, the other day, I remembered a surprise party I had ruined. It was 18 years ago. And my brain was like, hey, you want to think about that time you ruined Tara's surprise party for her husband? Remember that? That's not helpful. And the problem is, even true ones will deteriorate over time. And so, like, I don't know how to do a podcast will deteriorate into, I'll never know how to do a podcast. And that's where it kind of, you know, it mutates into something that's, that's not true. It's certainly not helpful. And it's definitely not kind. Hey, my friends, jumping in the conversation here with John Acuff, just to remind you and let you know about the amazing work of Compassion, Compassion Canada and Compassion all over the world. Maybe you, like many of us, we've been waiting for this pandemic to end, waiting for everything to feel really normal again. Maybe also you just feel like what has happened last year, like there's these memes around the internet about, um, you know, all these great artists and minds that accomplished all these things during pandemics, like Shakespeare wrote all this work during a plague and all this stuff. Well, if you're looking uh, to do something more meaningful with your time, 
time right now. Uh, you don't have to wait. I want you to join with me and join other Canadians, join other people around the world who are being part of a movement of practical, ongoing compassion. We're transforming the lives of children around the world. Compassion Canada has lots of ways that you can do that. You can use your skills and your passions for doing good to make an actual difference, no matter what your life looks like right now, how how shut down or open your area is or <laughs> whatever else is going on in your life. Um, like there's this, this woman, Robin, she's a business owner from Alberta, and she gives a portion of sales from her handcraft jewelry to help ensure that urgent needs of kids living in poverty are going to have access, through these urgent needs being met, they're going to have access to safe water and sanitation. So if you're looking for ways to spread a little good, just like Robin, don't have to look any further. You can join a bunch of other Canadians doing some good today. If you go to visit compassion.ca slash good, there's all kinds of practical and life-giving ideas. Compassion.ca slash good. And of course, it'll be in the show notes. And what you're talking about is it, it's the classic thing that interrupts your piece is that like, you're just sitting there and all of a sudden I've seen you post about these kind of jokes online. Like all of a sudden you're thinking about that awkward thing you said to someone in the 10th oh, yeah. grade, you know, a decade plus ago. Yeah, and you got you dumped can't. at the prom and you're like, why do I need, I'm in my forties. I don't need to remember like, <laughs> Oh, remember the prom? That was terrible, man. That was just the worst. Like that's not helpful. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to get into, um, getting into your technique as you write in this book. Mm. It's, it's a thing that you do, which is humor. I'm laughing as you're talking to me right now. Um, you use humor, um, in some particular ways. Can you talk about how you, like why you choose to write with humor or what you, how you use it as a technique, as a communicator? Sure. Yeah. I, I grew up seeing my dad communicate that way. I mentioned he's a pastor. Mm. He planted a Southern Baptist church in Massachusetts in the 1980s, which was unheard of. Um, so he, he used humor to communicate, um, with his audience. And so I, I really grew up around it. Um, I grew up as seeing it as a currency. Our family is funny. I'm not the funniest one in our family. My, I think my youngest brother Bennett is the funniest by far. Um, so I grew up around it. I always valued it. Um, and then the older I got, the more I realized that it's a great communication tool. Um, mm. and you know, Chris Rock, the comedian says there's some things people won't listen to unless they're laughing at the same time. So I see it as a great vehicle to communicate truth. I think it makes truth really sticky. I think it illustrates a point really well. Um, and so I just love to communicate that way. I enjoy doing it, um, off mic and off stage. And so it feels authentic for me to do it on stage and on mic. Um, and, and I'm really deliberate about it. And I, you know, I'm, I, I work really hard to hone it and, and, you know, what's the right word where, you know, where do I want to use it to release tension here? Where do I want to use it to illustrate a point here? So it's become a really fun part of my process. And from a book perspective, the type of books I write normally aren't funny. So it gives me a chance right, to kind of it. stand out a little bit to go, okay, they're usually serious and they're usually this way. And so when I communicate in a different way, um, and I think it's a human way too, people go, wait a second, that story was ridiculous, but I remember the point and I expected you to be this way, but then you zagged this other way and it was really fun. And it just makes it more fun to me. And, and were you in your head about that at some point? Like, did you, have you always just been comfortable doing no, serious I'm constantly topics in my funny? Head about it. Yeah. Here's the thing. Like when people say like writing, you have to find your voice. I don't agree with that. I think you have to keep your voice. It's not mm. like you find it once and you hold on to it. 
it's it's the slipperiest thing in the world. Like you get it and you're like, I got it, I'm doing it. And then you write and then you notice like it slipped away. And all of a sudden you're pretending like you're pretending to, you're like writing in somebody else's voice. Like all of a sudden you look up and you're like, oh, I'm trying to out John Piper, John Piper right now. But my name is John Acuff and I'm a, I'm a terrible John Piper. I am the worst Rick Warren. I'm a I would terrible say Beth that would Moore. be a positive. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm the worst. So many other people. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. a good me when I stay with my voice. Yeah. And so, no, I think I'm like where I've had to hold on to it is when like the reality, I mean, if the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy, what does he steal? The good stuff. He doesn't steal the bad stuff. So like he steals gifts. So if humor is one of my gifts, of course, when I sit down to write, I'm going to think, well, I need to be more serious or, oh, I need to be like more like so-and-so or I need to, you know, be a serious author. So no, a lot of my first drafts are boring and dull and serious. Huh. And then, then I go, wait a second, that's not me. Or my right. wife will go, I read that whole chapter and you're not in it at all. That's not your real voice. And I'll go, you're wrong. Like, I'd love to say I received the feedback, like, like the vitamin it is instantly, but I usually am like, ah, you don't know what you're talking about. And like an hour later, I'm like, you were right. This, this is not that good. I need to change this. <laughs> so yeah, it's something I, I, you know, I definitely can get in my head about it. Well, and humor is challenging because it's subjective, but you, you're working with a team of, you know, an editing team. You're writing a book that you want to make funny, but yeah. not everybody's humor is the same. So how do you sure. wrestle that out in the editing process? Um, well, I, I mean, they're like, it's probably the most personal thing. So yeah. like, um, I have to say, like, I, I told somebody the other day, an uh, author said, Hey, what if an editor wants to do something different? Well, like one, I trust the editors. Like there's a reason I'm working for them. They're, they're great. They're, they're making the book so much stronger, um, which I, or I really appreciate when it comes to the humor, I'll say, okay, are they right? Like if a, if a bunch of people didn't get the joke, is it only funny to me? Cause that's what you're constantly doing is going, is it only, and even if you're not funny, you're going, is it only interesting to me? Mm -hmm. Is it only fascinating to me? If this is something I'm nerding out on, but the general population won't be served by this. I remember I had an editor once and I had this crazy long story about this rat in our garage. And like, I thought it was hilarious. And she was like, but it doesn't serve the reader. Like it doesn't move the narrative along. It hmm. doesn't illustrate the point. It doesn't strengthen. It's not helping them. So ultimately like I took that whole thing out. Like it was really fun for me to write and I could share it somewhere else. But in the context of a book, I want it to be lean and actionable and helpful. So I'll definitely have funny things in there that I think are, you know, will will catch you off guard. Um, but they can't just be funny to me and they can't just be, you know, verbal gymnastics where I felt like we've all read books where you're like, oh, that was fun for that person to write. It did nothing for the rest of the book. Right. Um, and maybe if the editor had more power, they could have gone, yeah, I know you're famous and important, but this is like, snooze fest or this isn't how is this like my my version of that is whenever a pastor tells a really funny story not related to the sermon it feels mm -hmm. like a hard awkward left turn where they go football story hockey story and they go now let's talk about god and you're like those two ideas are not even remote they're not even cousins yeah they're not at the same family <laughs> reunion and so my job is to i always tell people like there's main ideas which are islands and then there's bridges to the next main idea so mm -hmm. as a communicator, I'm constantly going, where's the bridge? Where's the bridge? And if I can't bridge it, you leave everybody on the first island and you never get to take them where you're trying to take them. 
That's right. Well, and, and how do you work that out? I, I want to talk about your social media presence because it's, I think it's quite unique. Sure. It's one of the reasons I love to follow you. I'm, I try oh, to, I try to curate under 500 follows, which is really tough because there's always new, interesting that people is. coming, but, yeah. uh, you're one of the ones that always stays because I enjoy what you do. Are you, I'd love to get in your head a little bit about that. Is that a place where you test out your humor? Um, you seem to be such a kind, you're a person who I think brings like, like the, the shoes that are fitted with the gospel of peace. Like I think you bring yeah. peace, kindness, you represent the fruit of the spirit on the internet. Um, I'd mm-hmm. love to know what your approach is to social media. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I learned a lot of that. I had a blog called stuff Christians like where I wrote about some of the funny parts of faith. Um, and I, I learned that the key to that was to, if I'm going to hold up a mirror to Christianity, to make sure that I'm beside the mirror, that I'm part of the reflection, not forcing the mirror and going, look how bad you guys are. Like, mm-hmm. and the only finger I'm going to point is the finger at myself to go like, hey, here's this thing I did. This is silly. Like, um, and I never wanted to create a spot where people could show up and attack someone else. So I would try to write about an idea, not an individual. So that, you know, that changes it. If I go, hey, here's an idea I think we need to talk about versus look what this person did did like people show up and it becomes like chum for sharks. And I didn't, I didn't want that. Like there's enough places on the internet. And the other thing is that like, I wanted to be able to speak in love later, which meant I didn't get to mock. Like the Mm. Bible is super clear about mockers. Like there's, they don't come out well, like in the, the Bible is not like fuzzy about that. So I always tried to temper and there was times I got it wrong and I'd have to delete something or I'd go, wow, I blew it on that. Like, that's not what I intended. Um, you know, that, that's a real person with a real, the problem with the internet is it turns like individuals into ideas. It flattens people into 2d. So like, you'll go, I hate that. And you go, what about your neighbor? And they go, Oh, that's Mark. That's just Mark. And you go, but, but you would never say that about your neighbor. So Mm -hmm. that's part of the challenge of the internet to me. And so I try to be really deliberate. I want it to be really funny, but I also don't want there to be a victim of the humor. Um, cause Mm -hmm. there's, if there's a victim, then I feel like I, you know, I've Unless the victim's yourself, far. you mean, like you're making your sort of yeah, self. Yeah, the victim's myself and I go, here's this thing I did. It was ridiculous. Then I'm sharing a story and there's vulnerability there. If I go like, this is crazy. You know, I, here's an example. Like I'm fine talking about <clears throat> like one of the, one of the jokes I did, um, in a speech, I was talking about how we, how we greet people when they come to church. And I said, why does every worship leader assume I had the worst week? Because a lot of them do this little sermon at the beginning, go, we don't know what you brought in here today, but we know your week is garbage. And we don't like, and like, that's never how anybody else communicates. Nike ever goes, Hey, look at you out of shape. Boy, you look terrible. Would you like to maybe get a pair of shoes? You're gross. They never say that. They talk (laughs) about we're, we're glad you're here. We're like, and so I joked about why does every worship leader say it that way versus going, maybe you had an awesome week and we want you to come celebrate with us. Maybe you had a challenging week and like, we only have one size fits all and it's miserable. Now I'll share that because I feel like that's a broader issue where I blew it. Like an example of blowing it would be. Like I, I wrote a joke about when worship leaders step back from the mic and some of our worship leaders at church were doing that. And I think that made like, that probably hurt their feelings because it mm-hmm. felt like I was writing about them. And that was not my intent because we have awesome worship leaders. So there's times where I'll go, okay, the general, I could talk about like the specific, if there's somebody really involved, like I don't, you know, I don't like 
that's what not, that's not what I'm trying to do. There's enough of that humor online. I don't need to add to it. Yeah. And what do you do then? I mean, it's the comment section that always, uh, the comments, the replies, uh, that that can get into the fights, right? Like, no, I always tell people like, I, like I run an awesomeocracy, not a democracy. So if you're a jerk in the comments, like (laughs) mute, block, delete, like you're gone. Like why? I don't like there. I'm not trying to, you know, rehabilitate you. Like this isn't for you. Like bounce. Like I'm not running a church on my Instagram. Like, and so Hmm. I don't, you know, I don't have, I don't put up with a ton of that. Um, especially if you want to, you know, if I go, I love oranges and you're like, here's the problem with Trudeau. I'm I'm not here for that. Like that's, you know, that's, (laughs) or like, here's the problem with Trump. That has nothing to do with me saying I like oranges. Like, so yeah, if you're, if somebody's dominating the conversation that way, um, I try to be kind about it, but it's also like, yeah. Um, it's, it's a free Instagram site. Like if you, you know, and I didn't ask you to follow me and, and you're, you're attacking somebody else. So I don't try to control my comment section because who has time for that? Like that's exhausting. And they're grown adults. Um, but if somebody is being abusive, like, yeah, kick rocks, like you're out, let's go. Pause the conversation with John Ica for a second to introduce you to Waybase, a new sponsor for the podcast. Waybase is an organization I've had the privilege of working with over the last while, and Waybase is bringing the church together for good. They're helping people like you in your ministry, in your church, in your local Christian organization. They're connecting you together to make a greater difference through Waybase. You can find new opportunities for impact. You can see what other ministers are doing in your community. You can find new partners, discover local and global causes that are making greater difference. But okay, here's what we want you to do. There's lots going on on waybase.com. But if you are in Canada, I want you to go and claim your listing. Access the entire suite of free features to help you do more good in your community once you claim your listing. If you're from a church or you're from a local Christian organization in Canada and you haven't claimed your listing, that's your plan of action right now. So go to the link in the show notes. Your organization is already on the site. Go to waybase.com through the link in the show notes and you are going to be able to claim your listing and start doing more good in your community. And I love what you just said, actually, the difference between you and an actual church. (laughs) One of the many differences is that you aren't a church and you're not trying to like do therapy with people in the comments section. No, no. (laughs) Like, and I don't know what their deal is. Like the problem is the person that throws a rock has usually forgotten by the end of the day, they threw a rock. The person who Mm. got hit with it We'll remember that for the rest of their, their day. Definitely. Maybe the rest of the year. Well, that's the soundtrack. It stays with them. Exactly. When somebody says something terrible, they might've done that on 50 other accounts. They don't even remember, but the person they said it to, it had, it left a mark. And so my thing is like, I think like it always kills me and I haven't written about this yet, but like when somebody famous, when I see an article and it's like famous person X claps back or responds to somebody who said something mean to them, it breaks my heart because it means 80 comments deep. They were reading that comment Mm. and responded to somebody who had 14 followers and you go, you're worth $50 million. You have all like, and that one person was still able to stat like to get to you. So I think that there's a, there's a time for you to go. I can't read all this stuff. It's not what I'm supposed to be doing. I have my circle that gives me feedback. And the other thing I'd say, my wife taught me, here's a soundtrack. Criticism that costs the person nothing is worth nothing. 
So it took them 12 seconds to leave a comment. That's worth nothing. When a friend of mine that I run with and pray with goes, Hey man, I saw some posts of yours. It really felt like you were really trying to get people to tell you you're amazing. Like, is everything okay? And I'm like, that's worth a lot. Like that's it. Like, so I have to remember that costs them nothing. It's worth nothing. If somebody writes a long, well thought out comment on my podcast about like, Hey, I wish you would talk less so people could end like, wow, that cost them something. They had to write, you know, like there's time there, there's effort. So you have to go, not all criticism is the same. To pastors though, I'd say, I think pastors get an unfair kind of disadvantage because people say, just ignore the haters. If there's somebody at your church and you're in the lobby and you're doing life with them and it's somebody you're shepherding, that's completely different. So I, I try to draw that distinction. Like how I treat people at Instagram is not how I'd say to a pastor, like just kick them out, whatever. Like that's different. That's real life. Yeah. So, you know, we are, are kind of coming to a close here, but it, uh, you have a lot of examples in your book about soundtracks, anthems, new anthems that people can have mm-hmm. um, to correct, change, rearrange the music that's playing in their head. Um, mm-hmm. Can you give us one or two that are helping you have that not the Gandhi sitting, meditating on the mountain, but true like yeah, yeah, yeah. peace in your life or peace of mind in your day to day. Peace of mind when you get that crappy comment thrown at you, when uh, yeah. nobody's booking you because the pandemic happened. What are what are one or two of those statements and anthems that you want to keep on repeat that you'd offer to other people? Yeah. So, I mean, for me, light and easy is one. My wife, that's the biggest one from the book. Um, and it's based off the verse in Matthew where mm. Christ says, you know, my burden and my yoke, they're light and easy. Um, cause four years ago, my wife was like, you're a jerk for two years when you write a book and you're a jerk for two years when you sell it. Huh. And that's not going to work. Like I'd rather you be a happy plumber than a miserable writer. And part of that's like writers have terrible soundtracks. We say things like, uh, you know, the, the writing's easy. All you have to do is open a vein and bleed on the page. Like we're so dramatic. <laughs> like, oh, I like, got to go to the coal mine to write. Like, and so I had to deliberately years ago say, no, it's light and easy. So one that I think about all the time, I just started working on a new book. I, you know, you know, that's what you do as an author. You release a book, you write a new one. And I'm like, oh yeah, light and easy. It needs to be light and easy. So, you know, okay, it's going to be light and easy. So another one that I remember um, that I really think about a lot is that favor beats hustle. Like huh. favor beats hustle. I'd rather be, you know, blessed with these things than think I have to hustle my way to them. Like it, it just does. It always like, or I'll never out hustle God. Like whenever I think like it's John's turn, I got to jump in there. Or like another one is the best things of my life were received, not forced. Like the best things in my career, the best thing in my marriage. Like I didn't 10 years ago, like plan or like 30 years ago plan. Here's how I'm going to meet Jenny Calbert. And we're going to do like, I didn't do that. Like like those are the best things are received. They're not forced. Um, or another one I'll, I'll remember like a soundtrack for me is God will never be handcuffed by my failures or unleashed by my successes. Like he'll never be handcuffed by my failures. So there's never a time where I go, I blew that thing. And he goes, Oh, I wanted that to happen, but you're not good enough. So it's not going to like, he hmm. doesn't need me to do the thing he's going to do. He invites me into it because he loves me 
and I get yeah. to be part of it. But his success isn't based on my abilities. Thank goodness. Like, can you imagine if God was like just as big <laughs> as John Acuff was ca- capable of, or if like God was, God was just as big in a city as a pastor was capable. Like yeah. we'd all be in so much trouble. Yeah. So he will never be handcuffed by my failures or unleashed by my successes. So you talk about peace, like there's peace there versus going, this all depends on me. Like I, I can't find it an, an, an example in the entire Bible where it's, God says, it all depends on you. Like right. you go do it, like you go figure it out. And so if I can sit in those, like I get to be, like it says in Psalms, you know, a man or a woman who dreams like we, you know, when we were, t- when the captives were returned to Zion, they were like men who dreamed. That's what I want. Do you, um, do you ever find it less weird to say any of this stuff out loud? I know like that look in the mirror, say something to yourself. Has that gotten easier? No, no, no. I mean, it's, it's gotten easier. And the more I talk to people about it, like, I think the braver I get and the more I see also like the more I see results, like the more that like, I, I would say like, there's times in my life where, um, it's been a smaller success by the world standard, but I've enjoyed it more. Mm. And I go, Oh, that's that God math where like there's yeah. deeper joy. Like, and I've also had things where it was a bigger success and I enjoyed it less because I had to maintain it. And so like the more I see it, like see the benefits of it, the less weird it gets, but there's still like, I'm doing, you know, I'm, I'm talking to a big company about, um, those three questions. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it kind? And I know that like the, is it kind will be the one that people kind of push back on because it feels fuzzy. It feels, you know, how do you tell a room full of salesmen and saleswomen like kindness matters. But I also know I've done the work of going, Google did this fascinating study and I put it in the book. They wanted to know why, what do our, what do our best teams have in common? The best teams at Google, what do they have in common? So they spent millions of dollars, studied 180 teams, 35 different statistical models. And the number one thing that all their best teams had in common is what's called psychological safety. And psychological uh, yeah. safety means that on a team, you can ask questions, admit you're wrong, um, and suggest new ideas without being judged unkindly. And so at the end of the day, kindness was the most successful part of the most successful teams. And so I know I'll do a good job, hopefully, of going, hey, hey, hey. I know kindness sounds soft. It sounds like it's, you know, you got to go, go, go. You got to grind. You got to hustle. But here's, here's what Google found out. Here's what Harvard Business School found out. Like, here's what we should all know. Like you get, you know, like if people can't admit they're wrong, no one ever takes responsibility for mistakes and you repeat the mistakes. If people can't suggest new ideas without being judged unkindly, they stop having innovation. Like we know those things are things our teams want. So I think if I do a good job, I can relate some of this stuff that might on the surface feel soft or fuzzy or not related to performance and say, no, 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 it's actually connected. Like this is actually how you were designed to live. Yeah. I, I love that. It sounds like a lot of your writing, it's coming out of personal experience, your own journey, but also mm. it's even in the work of writing. I love that. What I'm hearing you say is you're helping yourself while you help all of us. <laughs> so thanks oh, for doing 100%. the work. I'm in the trenches. I love I'm it. in the trenches. I don't, yeah. Somebody said that they said, you're, you know, part of what's fun about your writing is that you're still making mistakes, but you're, you'll talk about them and you'll grow from them and you'll share the things. So yeah, I feel like I'm an explorer and I go, here's this thing, you know, I'm not good at finishing. Let me figure out how to finish. And then yeah. I, I do a big study and we go, Hey, here's how you finish. And I bring, you know, other people in the conversation. That's, that's been really, a really fun writing process for me. Well, if people want to join your journey, they want to see what's in your head. They want to, um, 
just find your content, find this book. Uh, where do you want to send people on the internet? Yeah, I'd say uh, the first place is check out my podcast. Um, start with, I did an interview with a woman named Colleen Berry. She mm. lost her job as a documentary filmmaker, had to take a bunch of small jobs. One was a receptionist and she decided to change her mindset about that work. And she's now the CEO of that company where she was a receptionist. And it's an amazing story wow. and she's an amazing woman. Um, so the podcast is called All It Takes is a Goal. Um, so I check out that episode. And then online, I'm acuff.me.me. So A-C-U-F-F.me. Um, and then John Acuff on Twitter, John Acuff on Instagram. Um, so I'm, I'm all the places. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time today. This is a great yeah, thanks book. thanks for having me. This is Changing fun. our soundtracks. It's awesome. Appreciate it. Well, thanks so much to John Acuff for just a fun and valuable conversation. If you like the episode, if this is encouraging to you, if you know other fans of John Acuff, then spread this episode around, share it with someone you know. Thanks so much to Compassion and Waybase for making this episode, making this whole season possible. Check out the link in the show notes so you can get more information about what's going on there. There's so many ways you can do good if you check out those links. All right, next up on the podcast, we have a bit of a special a bonus episode for you. I'm going to be speaking to someone named Rich. Wendera. He's the founder and director of the Pastors Discipleship Network. It's a nonprofit that serves, serves, equips, and trains thousands of pastors in East Africa. So this is going to be a bonus episode in this series on the fruit of the spirit, and I want to use it as an illustration of the fruit. I want to introduce you to people who you may not have had the opportunity to meet. Um, if you're feeling tired of hearing from the same voices, I want you to tune in next week or when we release this bonus episode because Richmond has an amazing story to tell about what God has done in his life and how he's living it out. Spoiler alert, he makes me cry. So see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Word Made Digital Podcast with Joanna LaFleur. If you like this content, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Rate it and share this episode with your friends.